Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, one and all. This is Baka Bites, a show where we talk about what we are watching this week in anime. I am your host, as always, Frank Furter, and with me today is our audacious manicotti, Magically Average. How are you, buddy? I don't even know what that means. You, well, we, we use audacity, and I thought it would be kind of funny to use, like, audacious, and yeah. then manicotti is a type of noodle. You oh. audacious fucking noodle. Manicotti. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. just that last it's like part. like a... Yeah, the manicotti noodle. It's like, uh, think of like a penne pasta, but instead of it being like pointy on the ends, it's just a fat fucking just noodle oh. with, that you could shove cheese in the middle of it. Nice. Yeah, I know which ones you're talking about. You also threw me off because you reversed the naming convention from M A to That's A-M. why. I, that's why I said I'm gonna throw you, you off this time. You bastard! You're always just throwing me for a loop week in week out. That I, I am. That's what me. I'm here for. Anywho, um. So this week we are recording this and immediately after we are actually going to be recording what we're going to be posting two weeks from now because we will not be here for Christmas. We will be going over our winter 2022 uh, anime uh, picks of what we're going to watch, just talk about the shows that are coming out, etc. So look forward to that in two weeks. But today we will be talking about Mushoku Tensei. I will go into Blue Period, you will go into Maruko-chan, and then we will finish off with Demon Slayer, which I have a feeling this is just going to become a Demon Slayer podcast at this point. Yeah. For better or for worse. Yeah. But um, let's hop into it. Your prediction. Way the fuck off. Yeah, I know. But it had some legs to it. were Were you mad at the very end of that? I would have been mad if I, if it were to end right there, because we were talking about it too, and which you I thought it was. Said, yeah, so that's a that's a fuck up on my part. I thought this past week was the last week for uh, Mishoku Tensei Jobless Reincarnation. It's not. Next week is. So I know how they're going to end it. 
which still pisses me off because I feel like this would be a better ending than just like the setup for the next season, which we will not get for like a long time yeah. because each chapter for this freaking story comes out. It's once a month. It's once a month. They're on chapter 77 right now. And I think the source material ends in volume 13 or 14, which I think is like chapter 50 or 60 something. I want this. No, man, 50 oh something. I'd have to look it up. Whenever you're talking about Muruko-chan, I will look up what chapter this ends at. But yeah, <laughs> they will not have a second season for a very long time unless they like kind of Game of Thrones it or, you know, whatever, and just go ahead of God, no. the source material. They may pull a full metal alchemist here. Oh, God, which no. Which I, really I really hope they don't. But, um... Yeah, to kind of recap it, uh, Rudy and Eris and Rajird, they finally make it back to uh, Rudy and uh, Eris's home country. And it starts out with a really trippy scene where people are spilling wine, but it's kind of blood. And basically, it's just a nightmare that Rudy's having about being punched straight through the chest again. And... A little traveling happens, and then they're back in Rudy's hometown, and it's just devastated from the freaking mana collapse, mana catastrophe thing, whatever the heck it was, that uh, bibbidi-booped everybody out to a different continent and killed others. So they get back there. It's kind of an emotional, just like, he's holding back a lot of emotions and doesn't want to let things be seen but you know that he, like, you just see all the flashbacks of just, like, his, like, childhood of just, like, Mom, Dad, listen, like, I'm home, or, hey, look at this, or la, 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 So, it's just kind of like a, man, this, this really hurts to watch. This really hurts to look at. And, um, once, you know, the party kind of reconvenes on top of a hill, which is, like, a giant dead tree, Rougeard is like, hey... You're no longer children. You're now adventurers. You're back home. I fulfilled my duty deuces see y'all i'm gonna treat you like children one more time and give you some good old-fashioned head pats and i'm off the the beaten track and i'm on my own again but basically like he he thanks rudy and says like hey without you i would have just been like yeah violence is the only answer but now with rudy he's like hey i see that there are other options than just violence which i thought was really good yeah but, like it happens in the source material as well but that pretty much was kind of very similar samey. I haven't really been going into the differences the past few episodes on this, like from the show to the source material, but there definitely are. And I do want to go into some of the differences in this one, this episode specifically, because I think it's a little, they're so like they're nuanced, but it's just like, I'm really curious as to what the, what the like thinking of behind it was as to why they went with this thing rather than this thing. But um, basically, Rajird says goodbye, leaves, and now it's just Rudy and Eris riding a horse to Eris's homeland, which is also devastated. And there's just a bunch of pop-up tents. And as soon as they get in there, they see uh, Eris's old trainer slash bodyguard, Gesleen. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but they have like a happy touchy, like, oh my God, you're alive. Yay. Hug it out. And then the butler comes around the corner and she's like, cool, you're back. We got to talk. Rudy, stay outside. And she's like, no, Rudy stays with me. And so they talk. And basically he's trying to like sugarcoat things and Eris just kind of bluntly just interrupts and says, who's dead? And the butler reveals that her mom, her dad, 
her grandpa dead all three of them and they're all confirmed too like the mom and dad are confirmed dead by gasoline and the grandpa was executed from episode 14 or whatever we it is that we talked about so she's just kind of like holding in all these emotions butler is just like straight up like we gotta talk business we gotta we gotta figure out our game plan by the way i think you're you should marry this dude who has influence who can you know keep you your family name going and keep you like in high society and she just kind of is just like silent about it like eris is silent about it rudy immediately objects gasoline just kind of sits there is like hmm and they like basically dismiss each other like everybody leaves eris says leave me alone like everybody leave me alone i want to be alone and as soon as rudy's like the last one to leave the tent you hear like eris start crying because i'm you just found out that your family's dead what else do you do like you gotta grieve so she does that rudy's in his like little tent like in bed like sitting on his bed like all right i'm about to go to bed when eris pops in is just like hey want some sexy time i'm sad give me some sexy time and you're like what's going on i don't like this very much and after like rudy says no a bunch of times but like eris is eris is in like a nightgown and like very not necessarily skimpy but it is very revealing for a 15 year old which is kind of also questionable but Japan has different laws as to consensual age, which is still creepy. And this takes place in presumably in a far off time. I know ago, it's a fantasy fantasy still, land yeah. and all that, but like it's still just it's it's still weird because you also gotta no, it consider make the it fact good. that No, and you also gotta consider the fact that, you know, Rudy is a forty year old man in a twelve year old's body or thirteen year old's body, so you're like mm. Yeah. There I, I think one piece to mention, I don't think she was going to be married to the now reigning prince i think she was going to be forced to join his concubine that's right yeah so he was, Ga- she was and galane for- was like fuck no you guys might as well just run like you i will not let that happen to you you are a warrior the last thing i'm gonna have happen and is basically sell you off into sex slave trade to join like a giant just harem of women that he's controlling yeah she was not basically basically she just is like laying it on thick like i i want to do it i want to do it you promised once we were you were like we were 15 or once i was 15 we were gonna do it and he's like no 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 like no 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 there's so much wrong with this including you're my cousin no 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 and then he says funny enough that's like not even on the top five list of why this is wrong yeah that's pretty far down and then he eventually says yes and like they basically they don't show anything obviously which is you know thank god but they also (laughs) like kind of like use a really fucking weird metaphor of dropping a wine cup and the cup just bouncing and then eventually like when the cup is supposed to land on the ground the cup just like flows like goes right through into like the wine puddle as if to say like Actually, I'm not going to say that sentence out loud. Yeah, well, never mind. I actually think it's it harks back to the beginning of the episode where he is dreaming, and there's the scene with the pool of wine slash blood at the party. I think it's supposed to be trying to like refer back to that, 
as to say like ooh, this was like trying to put substance behind what the dream was about because he was like oh this is going to be something related to like the family being murdered and then my ultimate demise and sure enough there's that hole punched in my my chest again by the dragon god and then it's like oh no there's a whole new twist to this because the wine was dropped when they were doing the things in the tent and then well his heart being ripped out is metaphorically speaking but if you want to touch on that on what happens afterwards yeah so here's here's what i want to touch on afterwards and the slight similar similarities and differences between source material and um the tv show so basically they do the thing rudy wakes up and walks outside like first thing in the morning shirtless in his boxers and he's just like good morning world how's it hanging today guess which, you got lucky which is pretty funny this, i i i laughed really hard at this part <laughs> i did too like I, when i was first reading it i laughed my ass off and but like when I, I, since i know what's coming i was just like man this is hard this is difficult to laugh at but like the this is where the first two differences from like super minor and weird differences from the show and the source material in the show he's in a tent he comes outside like he walks outside there's like a guy who's sad and like given up on life and then there's like a couple who's reunited and they're like yeah you're getting it on and it's like the sad guy if you just have sex or if you just you know do the deed you'll be happy too and then um this there's two differences here First being, in the source material, he's in an actual, like, wooden cabin, like, house. And he opens up a window and, like, is like, good morning world. And instead of looking at people, he's just looking at, like, farm animals, like, pigs and chickens. And saying, like, yeah, y'all get it on type thing. It was, like, this is, like, the fact that he they changed, like, a house in a tent is just kind of a weird one. Like, why would you do that? And two is it to con like the com differences of who you're talking to people and animals like does it really matter that much it was just really like strange that they had that big of a weird difference you know I mean, like it doesn't really matter in the long run but it's super weird yeah i but the setting though in the anime is basically like a refugee camp style where it's like everyone's just trying to gather themselves in one area set up sort of a makeshift town out of tents because it's just rubble there's no standing buildings at that time other than presumably the castle but we don't even really know how much of that survived so yeah. i don't even know where the but wooden I mean, cabin the same... would come in yeah but i was gonna say well in the source material it looked like there were tents but there were also just like homes because i mean it's been what at this point two three and a half years two to three and a half years since the calamity happened yeah. You're really going to have tents for two to three and a half years? You're not going to build yourself a house in this point? Yeah, that's fair. So I was just like, this is just kind of a weird... I, I don't know. I don't want to get hung up on this. Moving forward, uh, Rudy is just like, all right, now that I've had fun with the peasant people who don't have sex, I'm going to go in and greet my girlfriend and maybe do some dirty things. And he walks into the room, uh, like uncovers the covers or the bed, and nobody's there. And he's like, hmm, this is odd. And then steps on something. And it's a bunch of hair. And he picks up the hair. And he's like, hey, this is her hair. This is weird. Why is this here? What's going on? 
and then looks to his right at the desk, and there's a note that basically just says, We are not a good match. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Something to akin to that. I will actually have to look up the actual words because they were one for one. I think but she she said she's leaving. She's going on an adventure with Ghislaine. Don't come after her. Uh, we're not yeah. a good match. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'm. We're not a good match. Goodbye. Like I'm going off on an adventure. Which is, don't don't try to find me. And he like goes to the butler immediately. He's like, Hey, where where'd they go? And he's like, I'm sworn to duty of not telling you. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a complete 180 from original, like from what she was saying before, which is I think why it was so heart wrenching. Like this last scene. Because it basically ends with Rudy holding the note and sort of like wandering off into the wilderness and just like bawling. And that's how the episode ends. So it really hits home, I guess, maybe full circle in some sort of metaphorical sense. The dream that he had where he thinks he's reunited, but something feels off. Everyone then leaves in his dream and he has that hole in his heart. That's sort of like what just happened. It's like, okay, I thought we were going to be a happy family. Like, even Eris was like, I can't wait to have a family with you because mine's basically dead and we get to start anew. And then Rudy's like, yeah, okay, when you put it that way, sure, I guess I can't say no to you anymore. Wakes up and it's like, oh, yeah. Eris is gone. Ghislaine is gone after having not seen her for forever. He, again, doesn't st- still doesn't know where his mom is, where Sylphie is. He knows where the maid and the maid's daughter are, but he's not... And he not... knows where his sister and dad are. Right. But he's basically so... just left in this camp alone now. Yeah, with, like, the butler who he doesn't really give a shit about. But, yeah, yeah. the words on the, on the note, at least in the source materials, I'm leaving on a journey right now or right now we're not good uh right now we're not a good match for each other i'm leaving on a journey eris and this is another weird little difference that i was just like why like i don't understand but okay this is super nitpicky like why anywho he finds in the source material he finds the letter in the pile of hair not on the desk which is kind of like hmm but at the same time you might not necessarily look at your desk every day like it makes sense to just leave it with the evidence yeah. So, yeah, my, but um, my nitpicky thing comes in. How did he get out of bed in a fashion where he just completely missed the hair? Because it's like right there at almost like the side of the bed. He was just so excited to and it's a like lot tell of off hair. other people. Yeah. yeah, I know. But he was just so excited to tell everybody off. I guess maybe like the tent flaps were closed, so it was super dark and he could just see like a sliver of light. Yeah, I maybe. don't know. But um, yeah, just to give you a heads up, this all happens in chapter 51 Mm. and there are 77 chapters out right now well if we do the math if we're basing each season being like you know well this is season one this is season one part two oh that's true and i know like i know how they'll end season one because like it just because i've read it and i really feel like they would have it would have been more impactful, I feel like, if they had ended it here than setting up the next season, because I just they are going to set it up and they're going to give you a, not a lot of information, but they are going to just hand feed you this is what's going to happen next season. See, and that's why I think they did it this way. Again, I'm not reading the source material like you are, but I think 
viewing it from just this last episode and knowing that you've read through basically what is currently out for Mushuko Tensei, I don't mind them setting up the second season in this next episode because there are way too many questions left unanswered. Like there are so many open ends in this, just this like last 10 minutes of this episode where if I'm watching it and I'm like, you're telling me I have to wait upwards of a year to a year and a half for the second season. Like there's too much left completely unanswered for me to not just go, well, I'm basically just going to forget everything and then I'll have to refresh myself when it does come out. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like make me feel like I want to wait. I just feel like I'm being forced to wait. You know what but I mean? At the same time, I, at the same time, I feel like anime is also just another conveyor belt to selling manga. So I feel yeah. like if you had just ended it here, that would have been more impactful. Of like, hey, buy buy the light novel, buy the manga, buy the source material, so you actually figure out what's going to happen next, instead of having to wait probably three years for the next season. Because if we're going to be honest. Not a lot, like, it, just knowing what's going to be in season two, a lot, but not a lot has happened in just the simple, I think it's probably going to be close to 23, 24 chapters, because you got to think, you got one more episode of the season left, right? and that's going to cover probably two-ish chapters, so two to three chapters, so it's like, you've got 23, 24 chapters of a show which not a lot, but a lot not really happens. So it's like, unless they do a Full Metal Alchemist, they're not going to have a lot to to really just put out there. Which is, so, again, knowing that, I think I'm comfortable with the way that they're going to be ending this season. Because if this was the last yeah. episode, I, I, I would feel like they're just forcing us to wait rather than like enticing us to wait for the next next season because there's a there's a clear distinction between that there's a there's a very big difference between like we are not really sure how we want to end it so we're going to stop it at a point that might be uncomfortable but it's just going to be the case which is forces viewers to be like well shit i guess i'm stuck just dealing with the fact that i have to wait x amount of months years whatever yeah, I think either way, it's going to be a fine ending just because, I mean, if you ended it here, you have that emotional impact. It's like, cool, I'm going to go buy the source material, figure out what happens next. However, now the next episode, it's like, okay, we know what's going to happen in the next season. I have a little bit of closure and a little bit of idea of where this is going. I'm excited as to where it's going instead of just being like, the fuck is this? Why the hell would they do that? So I, I understand it from both sides. I personally, I would have felt like if, they had ended it here it would have been fine especially for the fact that they did the traditional hey here are your credits during anime still like during your animation during the final sequences of this episode usually that's like how you end a season is etc not a normal episode so i found it a little weird found it a little odd it is what it is it's fine we'll get on with it are you, you got any closing statements are you telling me that i have to read and I gotta read them backwards books just to figure out what's gonna happen next. You can read the light novel. That's forwards books. There's just no pretty pictures. I ain't no reading no things with no pretty pictures in it. God damn it! 
Well, too bad for you, you hick. Anywho, <laughs> moving on. Uh, do you want to go or do you want me to talk about Blue Period? You're on a roll, so let's go Blue Period. Cool. Um, I actually have the character names up for once, but uh, <laughs> per, per, per audaciously Manicotti's orders, he likes it better when I don't call them by name. Uh, this is basically, hey, we all passed exam one. Great. Now it's time to start practicing for exam two, which this time, instead of using charcoal and whatever other like materials, like just we're using colors now. Now it's time to learn about colors. And we're not even going to talk about colors. Like he learns about colors. Great. whoop de freaking do. He learns like, oh, I need to express myself with one color. Like, what do I want this color to represent, etc. Yada, 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 whatever. Basically, this episode was all about Maine Homeboy and his childhood friend, who the the cross-dressing guy, girl, uh, his, her name is uh, Ryuji, um, and his name is uh, Yatora. But regardless, um, this episode is basically between them because he the main dude finds out that Homegirl did a giant X on her canvas and just walked the fuck out and quit, basically, art school. And he confronts her and is just like, did you really quit? And she's like, yeah, it's just not my thing anymore, whatever. And he's like, I can't believe this. What's going on? And um, later that day, he calls her out of the blue and is just like, why are you quitting? Like, do you need help? Where are you? And she basically calls him out on his bullshit. And I kind of felt like, not necessarily personally attacked, but it's just like, ooh, I've definitely been home dude here in this instance in which she calls him out and is just like, listen, you're the type of guy who will, if somebody is off the side of a boat drowning, you'll bring a life preserver to throw at them, but you will never jump in the water to save them. And I was like, oh, oh, damn. That stings. Fuck. Holy Yeah, Lord. like, it's like, hey, even if I tell you where I am, you're never going to come here anyways. It doesn't matter. And this, this is unsettling to him. He's just like, am I really this type of person? Am I really going to, like, pretend to care on the surface and then not actually do anything about the people who care? Like, do anything about to the people who are hurting that I actually care about? And basically, you get a little bit more background into um, Best Friend's Life in which they... Their parents really don't approve of their lifestyle choice. Uh, and the only person that's really, like, kind to them is the grandma who, like, always brings them tea. Is like, hey, let's paint together. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, like, the only kind person. And, uh, like, after you find out that homegirl is, or, you know, best friend is working at, like, basically one of those escort bars. If you've ever watched Toradora, the mom is just, like... One of those people that works at the bars that is just basically there to flirt with all the customers and get them drunk and make them drink more. She's basically that. And after coming home late one night from work, she comes back into her room and everything is taken out of there. Like her dad just took everything away except for just like the bed. So everything that was on the walls, all the art supplies, all like desk, etc. It's just a bare room. And she confronts her parents, and her dad's just like, you're, you're an embarrassment, yada, 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 whatever, and slaps her. And she basically is just like, I don't want to be here, I'm going to run away, whatever. And grandma comes back and is just like, hey, 
here are your art supplies. You need these. These are important to you. This is how you do like your artwork and your because tra- you work in her art specialty is traditional Japanese art. And she's like, how are we supposed to paint together if you don't have these? And she, you know, hugs her grandma. And is like, thank you. And she looks at her, like her mom appears out of nowhere. And is just like, you shouldn't coddle her all the time. And the girl, like, like the best friend looks at the mom and is just like, basically just says, fuck you, mom. Like, she's the only nice person in my life. What the fuck? And goes back into her room, closes the door. It's like, I got to run away. And all the while this is happening, home dude is just like, real fucking bugged out about this whole thing and talks to one of the other passing artists the guy with the long hair who like gets off talking about art like food wars but art edition uh he home dude confronts him is just like yeah like i got a lot on my mind because my best friend from childhood just told me this and he's like you know what you are that type of person but at the same time if you jump in what happens if you drown too? You're just going to be one of them. So it's it's like a two-sided coin here. And it's just a matter of if you jump in, you got to make damn well sure you're not going to drown. So you got to be sure than sure that what you're doing is what you want to do. And that resonates with him too, to which he calls best friend who is just getting off work or I believe kind of running away from home. And he's like, hey, meet me here at this train station. I don't give a fuck about what you said in the past. Like, I'm I'm jumping in right now. So they meet at, like, the, the train station. And it's, like, the last train of the night. Going to God knows where. And he, like, they have this conversation of just, like, you know, I'm going to make sure that I don't drown if I'm jumping in to save you. And, ho- like, the train doors open. He walks in. He's like, so what are you going to do? Are you going to join me? Are you going to he- let me help you? Are we going to do this together? Or are you just going to sulk and, you know, stay salty about not wanting to do Japanese art anymore? Because she basically quit Japanese art and he, home dude, finds out that a majority of what she's been painting and a majority of what she's been really talented and really good at is fashion art. And, like, doing concepts of, like, clothing, etc. So you can kind of see where this is going. I feel like all this pressure is put on her to do this Japanese, like, traditional Japanese art. But she really just wants to do fashion. So, and when, like, he's looking at these photos, like, of, like, or not photos, but basically photos of the drawings that she's doing of the traditional Japanese art and of the fashion, he's like, no, 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 the fashion is a lot better and a lot more like them rather than the, Jap- like, the Japanese art. And that's when it kind of clicked, like, oh, shit, my friend's just unhappy because they don't recognize or they're not, like, being supported about what they want to do. So basically he jumps in the deep end with her and it's just like, are you going to run away from your problems or do you want to take this journey with me and stop drowning and be happy? And that they, um, he gets on the bus or the train, train doors close and you see that they're both on the train and that's like, he's got like a really nervous expression on his face because nobody else is on this train. We don't know where this train is going. And the episode ends and it's just like, hell yeah, I'm all about this drama. I'm all about this show. This show is fucking great. I don't give a shit about what their names are. Home dude, best friend from home, or, you know, childhood friend. Y'all are great. This this show, great. Go watch this show. It's on Netflix. Go fucking watch it. It's great. Like, I can't talk any more highly about this show. Like, this to me is like, other than Ranking of Kings, which I know I'm super behind on, to me, this show is just like the underdog of the season. Granted, it's still a huge, like, 
IP in Japan, uh, like the manga is, or I think it might be a light novel. It might just be a manga. I'm not quite sure. Regardless, it's fantastic. Go watch it. It's on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, you know like 10 people that have Netflix. Borrow their Netflix password. Go watch it. It's great. Um, but I think we have about... It's 12 episodes, so we have a handful left. I think that was episode number 9? 8 or 9. So, yeah. Artists That's all heavy. I say about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is like any sort of... I feel like this could be related to any sort of creative... Uh, creative profession. Yeah. Creative, you know, not necessarily obsession, but hobby. I mean, even what we go through, like, we want to put out the best that we can week by week with these shows. We look at the numbers and it's like, man, we can either be discouraged about it and quit, or we can continue going on with it and figure out a way to, like, grow. And it's one of those things that you find, like, you find a way, you either you enjoy it, if it becomes a chore, it becomes a chore, it is what it is like that's that's completely fine it's just something that if if you're i don't know i feel like i'm digging my grave on this one so i'm you know and this no no, no of i just like this could be applied to a lot of things other than just art this could be applied to like anything and everything you do so yeah. well in this yeah. episode in particular it brings out the the familial sort of pressures too of like having someone who's such a big influence on your career path or you know the passions in your life sort of be the catalyst for what you want to do but pressure you to do it their way instead of your own way so like with the grandma wanting having such a, a fascination with traditional japanese art but the childhood friend wanting to do and being better at fashion art like you see that sort of tension there too where like yes grandma's being very supportive and is basically the pinnacle like the the person who's putting her on a pedestal for like continue to develop and do better and like i know you have the talent but she's also the one who's saying do this art though like you need to do this art so there's you know there's that tension as well which well the only i feel like the only reason grandma's saying do this art is because she wants to do that art with her grandma is actually a well-renowned artist for yeah, traditional but... japanese art and so i think that it might be a little bit more also that she wants to like appease her grandma, but like she doesn't know how she'll take of like, hey, I do fashion art. She doesn't know how her grandma would take that necessarily. Yeah, I mean, that adds a lot of tension to it too. And I mean, I'm gonna try to create an analogy in some semblance, but like I don't have anyone in my family who's a lawyer, but like if I had someone in my family who was a lawyer and they encouraged me to go to law school and I did go to law school and graduate, but they do like like they are a public defender and i'm like i would rather do intellectual property or like real estate boring stuff like there's also that just tension of like why are you not talking about tree law i want to do tree law okay? arbor law yeah of course tree like, and bird law that's what i want to get into there's that that pressure to sort of conform to what your family member or like the person who is such a big influence on your life is but there's also the internal struggle of like wanting to pave your own path and do what you have pat like which what what drives you like what your passion is so i mean that's that's a very like it's an interesting element to bring out too because like there you have the the struggle between like the dad and the daughter 
who the dad's basically like, you are worthless. And then the grandma swoops in and is like, no, she's not. She's great at art when she does this art. And then the kid, the daughter's like, ah, I love grandma. I don't like my dad, but grandma's also being a huge burden right now. So it, that I like that. It's, it's yeah. sounds like a very interesting show, but man, that art was, is heavy. <laughs> yeah. That, that was episode nine of 12. So we got three more weeks of the show and I'm very, very, very excited about it. And surprise, not it's kind of surprising, surprising, not really. It's like, in the upper tier for ratings this uh this season for my anime list i can't filter it uh i'll sort it later as to what the actual rankings are but currently sitting at a 7.91 so pretty neat not not bad bad. at all tell me about muruko chan god i feel like i mispronounce that every week but tell tell us about the chan now you hit it you hit it on the nose uh we are I think approaching the very end, you can double check for how many episodes there are, but I want to say there might be one more episode. I don't even know. This might have been the last episode. If it There's was, There's 12 episodes total this season. Okay. So I take that with however that's supposed to go. I think this was the 11th episode then. So we do have one more, but we finally get sort of a wrap on this past two episodes with the substitute home teacher who is plagued by this was episode 11 by the way sorry just man i'm on a roll yes no you're good uh we get a wrap on the tension and and battle between miko and the substitute homeschool teacher who again is plagued by the spirit and is asterisk suspected to have killed many many cats so she finally like it's this is just entirely the episode it's just Miko and the home teacher. So after class she's like I am going to finish this. Like it is my time to stand up and do things on my own because after the previous episode where she realizes I only have one more basically save by the spirits from the temple to protect me. I have to start learning like how to do this on my own. And like what I'm going to do is I'm going to catch this homeschool teacher red-handed and turn him into the police. <laughs> like that'll solve my issues. I'm not going to try to exercise. I don't know how, but my only solution here is to just try to catch him uh, doing evil deeds and get him arrested. So she follows him after school. He goes down an alleyway. Sure enough, there's a cat down there. He's about to grab it, and she freaks out and is like, get away from the cat. And the cat runs to her, picks it up, and she just runs. And like he's like, okay, this is weird. Um, she ends up tripping. He finally catches up. And he's like, can I ask you why you're running? And also, I remember who you are. You're the girl that didn't give me that cat from before, too. He's like, what is going on with you? Like, are, do you have a problem with me? And she's about to like basically tell him that she knows what he does when the cat's like, fuck both y'all and yeets himself into the street where a car's coming barreling down and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Well, a homeschool teacher turns into fucking... Midoriya and super sprint speeds out, catches the cat midair and just gets absolutely demolished by the car and miko just is on the ground like mouth open eyes wide open like what the hell just happened 
So the rest of the episode goes into the, his sort of background and it is sort of interspliced throughout the episode as it progresses too. But we find out that the homeschool teacher or the homeroom teacher, I should say, he had a very difficult childhood. His mom was very controlling to the point where she dictated every single movement he made, like could not go anywhere, could not do anything without her basically saying, yes, like you can. Most of the time he was only allowed to just study. Like the first scene we see with him and his mom is he gets a 98 on his test and he's like, that's really good. And she's like, yeah, but why didn't you get a hundred? And he's like, well, what's wrong with the 98? She's like, no, that ain't answer my question. And like basically just death grips his head and like, why did you miss two points? And he's like, listen, I'm sorry. I'll study. I'll study harder next time. Can I please go to my friend's party? His buddy's like outside the gate saying like, come on, like, are we going? And she, his mom's basically just like, um, you didn't tell me you're going to a party. So not only did you not get a hundred on your test, but you're also lying to me and hiding things from me. And you're like, okay, so she is really, really disturbed. You get a, like a sense too that like she was scorned by her husband because she makes a remark about how like, oh, you're lying, you're a traitorous liar, just like your father was. So y- y- there's some weird thing there, but overall, she's just a horrifying person, like just despicable to the bone. So as the episode progresses, and we get the scene with him saving the cat, you get a snap, a flashback to when he finds a cat in a park and hides it in their outside shed and feeds it and stuff. Hides it from his mom, obviously. And one day comes back and just sees blood and his, he turns around and his mom's just standing there. He's, she's like, Oh yeah, I got rid of that vermin. Um, you hiding stuff from me again? Like, didn't we have this talk? And then it all sort of clicks that, all of the demon cats that are around him are the ones that his mom had killed. And the spirit, the spirit is his mom basically just hovering over him. And that's why it like constantly says like, don't look at him. Like look away. What are you looking at? Yeah. It's like, is this also the countdown spirit? Uh, no, 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 not the okay. countdown spirit. The okay, countdown okay, spirit's okay. a positive one. Like, the countdown spirits are the ones that they, like, swoop in and protect, protect her. This one's, like, this really creepy, gotcha. like, open ribcage, weird centipede, shooting out eyes, bugging out blood everywhere spirit. It, very, very horrifying. But then, finally, all the dots connect, and you're like, oh, so he was actually, like, trying to rescue cats. And it's funny, because Miko's in the hospital visiting him, trying to like basically explain herself. And he even makes a comment about like, he's like, yeah, you're kind of a weird kid. I honestly thought you were the one abducting the cats and like harming them. He's like, you're just very strange in class. And she's even like, Oh God, even the homeschool teacher or the homes homeroom teacher thinks I'm a weird kid. She's like, Oh boy, I got to change my image. But then, um, yeah, the episode basically ends with, her being like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna set things right. Like I, I'm gonna, 
basically try to pick up the pieces that I inevitably broke by assuming he was in some you know capacity doing harm to animals and he was actually the one who was evil to begin with and he's talking with the the homeroom teacher and just saying like you know what I think it's time for me to fix things and she like looks up at the spirit and he she says directly to it like you should leave him alone and then it freaks out and we get this intense but brief battle scene of Miko like running out of the hospital room and like sprinting out of the hallway the spirit's chasing after her and she twists around and right as it's about to reach her the two temple spirits come out and just holy spirit blast it <laughs> with the the light of the Jesus and the gods and then it dies and that's basically where it ends it's a very weird ending because we don't get like sort of a wrap up it just yeah. sort of ends there but well, like, obviously it almost seems like a two part episode like you're going to get the conclusion to this you know next next week well I think if I'm next week on <laughs> Muruko-chan <laughs> I always skip this at the end too they have those in this uh, this show too I'm like nope don't spoil but I think what's going to happen if, if I had to predict it's there's going to be yeah the sort of the wrap up conclusion with her and the homeroom teacher sort of laying everything out and making sure that he's okay. And then I'm guessing that they're going to do some sort of setup with Yulia, the other girl who can see spirits and Hana to be like, okay, we've established that Miko and Yulia can see spirits. Hana completely deaf when it comes to spirits, like no clue but attracts them because of her positive aura. We need to figure out how to start exercising these things because I bet Miko's going to go in and be like, so I'm out of my extra lives. Uh, The temple spirits are not going to help me anymore, so I have to actually start learning how to protect myself. Because she even makes a comment at one point in episode two where she's like, there are spirits everywhere, like all over, and I have no clue how to help them all. None whatsoever. The only thing I know how to do is ignore them. So I have to learn how to either save them, exercise them, protect myself. So I think that's what it's going to set up at the end of this season. That like for the next season. Leads into the next one. Is then they're going to start doing like some training arc season. (laughs) Basically like learning to exercise, probably finding a mentor things like that i for as low expectations as i had at the beginning of the season given the amount of fan service in like the first three episodes it vastly improved as the season progressed i am astounded at how well the story had developed too the character development is it's not like fantastic by any means but there is some there but it still remains very very creepy throughout like you're every single spirit has some weird little characteristic about them that just makes them very unsettling which again makes you it keeps interest in the show too because you know it's like spirits and there's nothing like too crazy about it when it comes to anime but when you refer to them as like spirits that need to be exercised or like spirits that are plaguing someone because of some past event that took place it gives them some sort of like meat behind like like backstory 
that makes them very intriguing. So I am very, very pleasantly surprised at this show. No, it would make me 100% go back and watch this show if it was what? announced for season two. That what? mob from my Mob Psycho 100 is her trainer for season I'd, two. If there's a crossover, that would be the only if one. There, that... Yeah, if there is at all a crossover between this and Mob Psycho, I will fucking go watch it, buy it, everything. I, yeah, it's I the fully only, support it because... Only thing that mob... would make sense, right? Yeah, especially since Mob is like a... It's like comedy in itself. Like, Mob's... Uh, small tangent here before we jump into uh, Demon Slayer. Mob Psycho 100, season one, phenomenal. I thought it was so great. I was like, man, this is funny. It's got great action. The animation's amazing. The humor is dry as shit. I love it. How can they top this? And then they had season two, which is a perfect fucking season of anime. That season is so fucking good. I've, I probably have a little bit more 10 out of 10 shows on my list than I should probably have, but I don't <laughs> care because Mob Psycho season two is a 10 out of 10. That, like, if they at all cross this over with Mob, I will 100% watch it. I'll be in. I know it won't happen, well, but if it was, like, in the same universe, that'd be fantastic. I was going to say, even if they don't, I highly suggest people go watch it. It's on Funimation. And to your point, too, about the animation style real quick, it is surprisingly good. Like, it kind of catches you off guard. Because, it like, it, the contrast between, like, the regular people and the spirits is, again, very disturbing. But then, like, when the action sequence happens and there's, like, the battles or, like, they start attacking or something, like, shifts in the scene, like, they make a really, they do a really good job of highlighting that in the animation styles. Like, so it, again, it's not a perfect show, but it is very goddamn good. Nice. Well, it's time to to transform this podcast into a demon slayer podcast oh that's Your robot in, in yes. disguise <laughs> anywho we are uh we are transitioning this into demon slayer season two the entertainment district if you have not watched it uh turn this off go watch it it's we're only on episode two see episode one was like 40 minutes this one was the normal like 22 23 whatever yeah uh I'm just going to say it right off the bat. This season's setup is infinitely better than season one and the movie. Infinitely better. Plot-wise. I'm... I'm not fully on board with that. But I'll explain why if you want to touch on why you feel that it's better. Um, Because I want to hear your points before I completely rip you apart. Let's like super like high key just topics of this episode we won't go into the super nitty gritty yeah uh tengen the guy who comes and slaps the little girl's ass <laughs> of the first episode he takes the three uh jabroni boys to uh the entertainment district and he's like hey they they basically take a cart there like if, initially they start running there and then they take a cart and they're in the cart and he's like whatever you do don't leave the cart and because these boys haven't seen like huge cities and like you know haven't been to a major yeah to like scatter into a major city they basically get like gawk and they're like what the hell's that oh my god there are lights everywhere i was gonna say the I best part get, about it i gotta get that, out of this cart the best part about it was that i think it was a nosuke was like it's dark out but it's as if the sun is out why is why it is so it, bright and why, why are there so, so many bright people? as if it's daytime <laughs> yeah so basically um 
they're all enamored by the city and how bright it is and how many people are out, etc. And they're just like, what the fuck is this? They're basically walking around like drunk idiots because they're so confused. Um, Tengen kind of riles, rounds them up, brings them into like an inn or wherever their home base or whatever, and basically explains the plot of, hey, I have three wives. They worked at these brothels. This is the entertainment district. They're brothels. Um... These are the hierarchies for the brothels. If you are a good, like, prostitute, you'll become this, like, hierarchy. This is, like, the main top one. I had three wives. They were essentially these, like, rankings. They were reporting to me regularly by Raven or Crow or whatever the fuck. Crow. Yeah, Crow. And they stopped communication, all three of them, last week or something like that. So, what I'm going to do is transform you three, or put makeup on you three, transform you into women, which is why I wanted the two girls in the first place, put you in brothels, and you're going to do some digging for me. And that's exactly what happens this episode. Basically, he puts makeup on them, they look hideous, they somehow find homes in which uh, Tanjiro finds is like the first one to go, he's the first one bought from the farm, essentially, uh, for lack of a better metaphor. Yeah. Um... And then, uh, while they're, like, kind of out and about, still in the city, like, walking the streets, they see, like, a parade in which one of the high-ranking prostitutes is kind of walking very, very slowly to, like, her client. And while they're kind of staring enamored, and uh, Inosuke is just like, man, this girl would not last in the mountains because she's walking so slow. Uh, Basically, a family or... It's like a man and wife. Basically, like, a family, essentially runs these like whorehouses they like walk up to Inosuke they're like there's potential in you we want you and Tengen's like by all means if you see something in him and you're this prestigious family take him by all means do it in which you don't ever see money trade hand but you do get told later on that they were sold so it was just one of those like how much did they go for but basically Inosuke Inosuke is sold to another house and Zenetsu's like, wait a second, I'm the rejection, I'm the rejected one, nobody wants me, what the fuck? And they go to, like, the third major house and basically sell him off for free, for real cheap, because he's just, you know, ugly, and also Zenetsu. <laughs> Which also, Zenetsu's just having major issues with this whole thing, because he loves women, and there are women everywhere, and this beautiful man, Tengen, has three wives, and he's like, how? You are a dumbass motherfucker, and you have three wives. That's not right. You should only have one wife, but who the ever would marry you because you're just a dumbass? What the fuck is going on here? Surely you're just, like, you're jesting with us. You're joking. This is not real. And then he gets sold to a house for super duper cheap, and the intro you see to him being sold to the house is him playing the, oh fuck, I'm gonna botch this, the Shisemen, Shishim, 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 the three-stringed, it's the, the show that Lobo and I were talking about uh, two seasons ago in which it's like the str- three-stringed traditional Japanese guitar that you like stroke slash smack with like a really large pick, mm-hmm. but you find out he's very good at the instrument, and the people who took him in is like, yeah, he's like batshit ugly. But he, I, I have a good feeling about him that he'll raise the like rise into the ranks of like the top people because he wants to get back at the person who sold him, yeah. and that's exactly like his internal monologue, and it's hilarious. 
but um and, and to put a little bit of like backstory or not backstory but like to to d- describe what the role of the women are too like they're not there just for their bodies they also are meant to entertain too so they need to know like how to play instruments and how to perform plays and the, how to cook and yeah. how to like basically they just have to be well-rounded in terms of like their the traditional services arts. yeah yeah like at not to sidetrack too far but like geisha these days are basically not the sexual part but like their their services are to entertain so they like know how to speak a lot of different languages and cook and entertain through music and play arts and things like that so um it is part of why zanetsu was bought and why they think he could rise is because he's so good at the instrument but then yeah also because they know that the man who sold zanetsu was very very handsome and zanetsu wants to get back at the one who scorned him so the the early establishment of the relationships between the three jabronis and tengen is absolutely hilarious i think my all-time my my favorite part of the episode though was when Inosuke is walking around the house that he's at and he's trying to investigate I was gonna get into like we haven't fin- that's that's later on that's later yeah, on in sorry, like, sorry, the, sorry. the episode you're you're getting ahead it's fine but to put a little bit more in perspective into it um when all the houses take off the really stupid ugly makeup the people who got Tanjiro are fucking upset because he's got the giant ass scar on his forehead they're like oh my god you idiot why the hell do you have this I can't believe you have the scar whatever so basically. He's used as a servant. He cleans. He takes like luggage to people's rooms. He's a really strong so, woman. He's very. Yes, strong. he's a very strong. He picks up like three different bags in like each hand. So he's got like carrying six bags upstairs into a room, and they're like, "Wow, that's one strong girl. <laughs> real strong. <laughs> real, real strong." Yeah, and like he basically, I I don't remember if I said the point as to why they're in the houses, but basically they're trying to like these are the three houses that the wives disappeared from, so they're there to investigate where the wives actually are, if something happened to them, did they, etc., whatever. So Tanjiro, uh, he's bringing these bags up to this person's room, and it's the like high-ranking um courtesan i guess is the good word a good word for what these women are yeah uh he's it's like all these gifts from different suitors to this courtesan so once he like puts them down he meets these two like young girls who are twins that are basically like talking about the girl he's there to investigate and saying like oh did she actually run away did she commit this word that i can't remember but basically this word is when somebody runs away without paying their debts and it's really, really bad because people will find you, hunt you down, and kill you. Mm-hmm. So you find out, like, oh, cool. This girl potentially ran away. Is that the truth? Is that the truth? Is it not? Who knows? And as they're kind of gossiping and he's asking these two young girls about it who, you know, know no better, uh, the courtesan uh, of the room that just received all the gifts walks in and is just like, hey, thank you for bringing these all up. And Tanjiro tries to dig a little deeper, and the girl's like, why are you asking so many questions? And he's just like, uh, 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 and freezes up, and Tanjiro can't tell lies. He's very bad at lying, and his face just freezes up, and he basically somehow gets out there pretending to cry, but, like, making this really ugly face that the girl that he is asking or inquiring about is his older sister, and he got sold here, too, 
and they're like, oh, what a shame you got sold after your sister. But yeah, the rumor is this, but we don't actually know what happened. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like where you're left off with Tanjiro. But yeah, if you want to go to, into Inosuke's like what happens after they take off the makeup and what his story is, <laughs> by all means, go yeah. for it. Inosuke's is great because the madam of the house or one of the, I guess the woman of the family, she's like, I knew it. This one has potential. They put all this shitty makeup on her, but look at how beautiful her face is. And it's Inosuke's just regular face. And you're like, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Um, but he you beautiful beautiful boy you this beautiful son of a bitch but he's walking around the house and over here's two women talking about one of tengen's other wives who's at this brothel saying like oh you know i'm trying to get in like knocking she's been sick i left food there like no one's been in there i mean eventually the madam's gonna come in and basically just knock the door down but we have no clue What's wrong with her? And Inosuke's like, that seems a little fishy. Like, I'm going to investigate. And, like, starts yeah, to run she's, off. The one thing I think you missed out or left out is that she's locked herself in there. Not that, like, yeah. nobody can go. And it's, like, it's physically she's locked herself in the room. Yeah. So Inosuke's like, that seems a little off. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to go the direction that the woman who's speaking to the other one who was at the door just came from to see, like, what's up. And... Inosuke starts to run, and one of the women is like, well, you know, be careful, Inoko. I think that's what they're calling, what he's, his name is. Uh, he's, they're like, be careful, you don't want to, like, trip or fall. And Inosuke just turns around and kind of nods and keeps walking, and then it flashes back to Tengen being like, don't open your dumbass mouth. You have no capability of sounding like a girl. You have no falsetto. Your whole entire goal is to shut up and not speak. <laughs> Or the mysterious beauty. Shut the fuck up. Don't say a word. <laughs> yeah. And in those guys, just like, I'm going to kick that beautiful man's ass when I get to see him again. But there's, we only see Tanjiro and Inosuke. We don't see anything about Zenitsu outside of him playing the instrument. But the Which last. Is fucking hilarious. Yeah. I swear that, like, he's the only one there that's <laughs> actually like, I'm going to raise in the ranks. I'm not here to yeah. fucking investigate i'm just here to get back at this beautiful bastard and he's probably gonna gonna find out the information like in the least like uh the the path of least resistance because he's actually there for the job oh yeah he'll stumble upon it basically but the last scene we see is actually of one of tengen's wives i we presume i believe it they, they say her name so i think it's confirmed but she's sort of bound up in the room with all of these look to be like tentacles or like very large ropes of some kind. And it was like cloth. Like if you had a kimono and yeah. you just extended the kimono arms, like it just looked like a bunch of cloth. And whoever's like interrogating. Best got a hold of her. <laughs> poor, poor best genus. But it's uh, it, basically the, whoever's interrogating her is like, where are these letters coming from? Who are they? Who are you sending them to? Like, I'm you're gonna be held here forever until you tell me, and that's where the episode ends. So, yep, this plot yeah, is I mean, already infinitely so much better than it's. Definitely I feel like it's laid so out. much better than yeah. It's definitely it's. I think that's why I like it so much better than season one because season one are so many different little mini arcs in one that it's just like it's just so quick paced that you don't really kind of have time to set into the setting 
time to set in with these characters. It's just bam, 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 bam. Yeah, but I, so that's part of the reason why I will disagree with you about this season. I like the Entertainment District as a setting. I think it's very cool, partially because of what Tengen said, which was, this is a city that sleeps during the day and comes alive at night. It is basically a breeding ground for demons. Be on your toes because you could be surrounded by demons. You have no clue. This is a cesspool when it comes to, like, demons. So I like that aspect of it. The one issue I have is that I feel like they're already cementing themselves too far into here is Tanjiro, Inosuke, and Zenetsu. Their goals are to find the wives. And then we can infer from, like, the marketing and the trailer, too, that there is some higher up demon who is either controlling most of the houses or one of the main houses who they will inev- inevitably fight. It's also foreshadowed that they are likely a part of the upper rank of the of um Mug- uh, what the hell Muzan's demons. Jeez, oh, Pete, I was gonna say Mugen. I was like, that's not right. No, so, that's a train. That is a train. That train be gone too. That thing exploded off the tracks. But off the rails, I, just like our conversation. Yeah, always. But that's, so I'm not, like, I, I get where you're coming from with season one. I will counter you by saying that I think they had to do that because they had to build, one, the skill levels of Tanjiro, Nosuke, and Zenetsu in some fashion. Like, it couldn't just be set in one place. Like, they had to grow and develop somehow. Granted, I think it was stupid that they would go on a mission, get injured, spend a day, like, an episode and a half at the Butterfly House, go on a mission, get injured, spend a day at the other you know um place where with the old lady where noscape almost fought a grandma like yes it's it's kind of slow and you don't get to feel out a like the environment as much as you want to whereas this one you are it's established right away like you are spending a majority if not all this season in the entertainment district get used to it because if you don't like it well tough shit so yeah, I see and that's, that. That's probably why I like it so much, is because I'd rather, I'd yeah. rather, I'd rather a plot take its time and actually tell its story rather than just kind of like bam, bam, bam. Like I don't mind. Again, season one we talked about last week. It's fine. The plot is fine. It's really pretty. Yeah. The plot is just basically a device to show us pretty animation. That was all of season one, and then we don't have to talk about Mugen Train ever again. We don't. <laughs> we, yeah. Um, Go listen but, to last week's episode if you want to oh listen God. to us yell about Mugen Yeah, Chain. let's let's not get into that because I got heated, and I just abruptly ended last week. Anywho, I think <laughs> this this season is so much different from the past few arcs that I would be very surprised if we are not, or if we are in a different setting other than the entertainment district by the end of the season. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the one thing that I'm just or, Actually, it's two things now that I think about it. The two things that I am somewhat upset about, but I'm sure they can improve on as the season progresses, is one, I have no clue when we're going to see any sort of fighting. Like, we're two episodes in now, and there's been no real action. It's been a lot of setting up, and it's fine because they are setting up presumably for what is going to be the entire season taking place in the entertainment district. I get it. But the other piece of it, too, is that I think they they laid it out too early. Like, I th- I think it's going to be very, like, 
not cookie cutter, but there's not going to be a lot of like shock and awe when things happen. It, it just, it seems like they sort of went away with the whole like mystery of like, you know, where are they going to go? What, who are they going to face? What's going to happen with, all right, here's what's going to happen. Here's who they're going to face. Here's what to expect. Now let's see it unfold. So it's a different formula. I am not upset with how it's been going on so far. I'm just very skeptical if it's going to live up to how they've set it up so far compared to the first season, which if if they fall in any capacity, I think it's going to be a major letdown because like we said, the season one is, it's good. It's not like grandiose and it's not mediocre. It's good, but they really hyped up season two. Any sort of trip or falter on the part of like getting through the season and I can guarantee it. It's going to feel like shit in the end. Interesting. I'm I'm curious as to how this season will go. It'll definitely, I feel like, be a lot different. I do see us seeing maybe some action next week with um, Inosuke. I feel like he's like the character that's primed and ready to fight something even without a sword. Because like he's going to this room and there's a spirit or a demon talking to this person. So I feel like he's, of anybody, is going to be fighting the soonest. But with him not having a sword, I wonder if he's actually going to have the brains to like be like, hey, we probably shouldn't <laughs> do this. I probably shouldn't give myself away this early. But who knows? Yeah. Again, I'm not like completely throwing it off already. Like I have high hopes for this season. It's just, it does feel like they've really laid it out there. And they got to hit it home on each piece of this season. I, I just... I think they've they changed the formula once again, and to do so, they have to really, really hit a home run. Fair enough. And you know what? We really laid it out there today. Thank you all we for did. joining us. We we really did. We sure we hope you had did, a good time. Uh, I would say that we record on Mondays, uh, but honestly, our recording schedule has been all sorts of bored this month. So uh, just look for our Twitter uh, for the go live notifications at Bakako Podcasts. Uh, we will be recording next week for uh, for next week's episode, and then we will be recording another episode tonight based on what is going to be airing in winter 2022, talking about the shows, what we want to watch, what we think is garbage, what we think is good, etc. So that will go up the week after Christmas, and then we will be back the first week of January with a brand new episode. So until next time, Spark Triumph, we'll see you then. 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Back up! Back up! Back up! 